Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Fotis Giannakoulis. I'm uh, the shipping analyst at uh, Morgan Stanley. And I have the pleasure to, uh, to host the most exciting uh, panel, uh, the most exciting sector of the year. Uh, a challenging year for, uh, for shipping, but this is my best bet uh, for 2019-2020, uh, the LPG sector. A lot of things are uh, changing, and uh, I'm gonna start uh, from a VLGC raise that uh, we started the year with $8,000 VLGC raise, and right now we are at 25. Rates have uh, more the, than uh, tripled. We have uh, with us uh, Kristen uh, Holmquist from uh, Potten and Partners. Uh, she covers uh, the LPG and uh, Petchem gas uh, market, one of the most prominent uh, consulting and uh, brokering houses uh, for uh, the energy shipping industry. We have uh, Charles uh, uh, Maltby, uh, Maltby uh, with us, the CEO of uh, Epic uh, Gas, uh, focusing on uh, the smaller size on pressurized vessels. They can go literally everywhere. They, can, uh, they, 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 they do not need the infrastructure. They can go to very small uh, uh, ports, very small islands, and uh, distribute the uh, LPG. And uh, on the bigger side, we have John Likouris, uh, the CEO of uh, Dorian LPG, uh, a pure fleet of uh, VLCs, very modern vessels. Pretty much all of them are uh, eco vessels. So John, uh, Welcome, and uh, why, what, what is going on? Why the, the rates have uh, moved uh, so high in such a short period of time? Uh, OPEC production cuts and uh, Iranian sanctions help uh, quite a bit. Can you explain us why, how? Uh, the production cuts uh, from OPEC means that uh, Saudi Arabia and the Middle East countries will cut back on production. Therefore, less LPG will be produced as a result because uh, LPG is a byproduct of crude oil. Uh, they mainly uh, produce uh, crude oil, as you know. Uh, of course, other countries like Qatar produces quite substantial amounts of LNG. Also, LNG produces LPG as a byproduct. And all these uh, production cuts are um, causing the market uh, to be concerned about uh, the quantities of LPG that will come out of the uh, Arabian Gulf. Uh, the prices have, as a result, risen in the Middle East. Uh, and uh, the Iranian sanctions, which uh, barring the countries that have waivers, um, also have caused uh, a, a big concern for certain countries that do not want to uh, continue to buy uh, from Iran uh, as a result of U.S. sanctions. Uh, so we have seen uh, a, a continuous strengthening of pricing out of the Middle East, uh, which in contrast with the U.S., uh, it has produced a, a big arbitrage. Uh, and uh, the, the, the demand uh, cannot be um, uh, satisfied uh, because uh, the Middle East uh, producers now, are, or the traders for LPG are charging uh, um, substantial amount of premium for their uh, LPG, and therefore China and India, who are one of the biggest consumers in the Far East, uh, have to look elsewhere for products. And we have uh, recently seen product moving from the United States to India, 
and from North Europe to India, which was uh, an unusual event. We have not seen that before. Uh, so we, we, we see that uh, uh, th these countries are going to seek products from other areas like the U.S., which has very attractive pricing and uh, has had a continued uh, strong production. Uh, inventories have been growing steadily, um, nothing like uh, last year when we had very low inventories. So we have come out of this winter with uh, substantial inventories in the U.S., and uh, pricing has been uh, rather attractive. Uh, which has uh, made uh, the, the, the arbitrage even more uh, st stronger. So we've seen a lot of uh, movement of cargoes from the U.S. to countries in the Far East that, uh, excluding China, that is, that are interested in LPG. And these are uh, Japan, Korea, uh, the Philippines, India, and uh, uh, the, the, the Southeast Asia generally. Yeah. Charles, can you talk to us a little bit about the... This, the, the arms the, that they exist, uh, where LNG, uh, LPG is being produced, where it's being consumed, what are the prices in the production uh, regions, and what are the prices in the consuming uh, regions? Sure. Yeah. And what is the shipping uh, cost uh, in between? Yeah. So, so we've seen, if you take global LPG production, it's about 300 million tons a year, very broadly of production. 60% uh, of that uh, comes out of the ground when you produce oil or natural gas. Uh, and then the other 40%, very roughly, I'm, I'm rounding here, comes from when you uh, refine a barrel of oil, you get LPG as a byproduct. So the primary load areas are where you have a, a long of supply of uh, oil and LNG, or where you have refineries to load from. Uh, the global seaborne trade for LPG has been growing uh, year on year on year materially and very well for the last uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, last year was a slightly slower year. It was up by 2.6%, but coming specifically to North America, the exports were up by uh, nearly 14%. So the U.S. is driving the growth in uh, LPG exports, and that's helping uh, to drive the demand for shipping because it's more ton miles coming to uh, what John was saying earlier. And that's helping to support the growth of trades in the developing economies where uh, we're seeing GDP plus growth in demand in developing economies in the smaller ports around the world for LPG. And that's either driven by government or the fact that the LPG is seen as a cleaner, greener fuel for energy. Uh, but also by the fact that there's an oversupply of the bigger ships, which is helping to deliver larger volumes of LPG, which is coming out of North America and other markets at cheaper prices into the developing economies on cheaper freight. Uh, so you're ending up with lots more gas available at a lower price in developing economies, and that's good for demand. So that's driving demand in use. So, Christian, you are not representing any shipping company here, so you are free to, to tell us uh, tell the problems of the market, us, uh, not only the good uh, parts. Uh, uh, how, much, how much of this increase uh, the recent increase in VLGC rate is seasonal, how much is uh, fundamental. The last uh, few years, uh, the market has been relatively, has been quite weak, uh, has been a disaster actually. Uh, and this is not just the uh, new buildings that they came, apparently it was uh, the, the, the demand that is a problem. Can you tell us uh, about where the demand is uh, coming from? And uh, uh, in the past, uh, we used to focus only about supply. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, is this changing right now? Shall we spend a little bit more time to see uh, if uh, there is a market uh, to, to uh, place this uh, growing volume that comes from the US? So I think that actually gets to a really important point that's going on in the market right now. Um, the supply is almost, uh, as you were saying, it's, it's kind of a given. And in the US, production continues to grow. There's a lot of activity in terms of drilling and production. So we see that US production will grow maybe slightly slower than last year, but still at a probably like 8 to 10% in terms of total supply. There's not very much incremental demand in the US, so most of that's going to have to be exported. So the supply is kind of the easy part of the equation as far as I'm concerned right now. There's some bottlenecks in, in Mont Bellevue. Um, there's some question about, given like lower crude oil prices, how, how rapidly people are going to be investing. But overall, the supply is going to be there. Where I'm facing the biggest challenges when I do my forecasting is in terms of demand. And so I'm actually finding it quite difficult to place some of this LPG. Um, even when you have, you know, countries that are starting to import more, like Indonesia uh, and, say, um, Thailand and other nations like that, if you have their demand growing very rapidly, it's from such a small base that it's hard to get them to absorb all of this additional supply. So then we start to look at China, and then there's the issue with the sanctions. Where is China going to be getting its additional LPG, especially seeing some of the constraints we're seeing in terms of the Middle Eastern supply? And how is that going to shift things around? And so I think that overall, the demand part of the equation is what I'm finding the most challenging, even with the strong growth in China due to the numerous petrochemical startups. So what does that mean for shipping? Well, for shipping, it means that with the Middle East supply um, going down slightly, and the US supply going up, well, it takes more time and more ton mile demand to get a vessel from the US to any of the demand markets, be it uh, Indonesia. We've seen that tra trade increase substantially, US to Indonesia. We're starting to see US to India. We estimate that as much as 2 million to 3 million tons of US LPG will have to go to India if the sanctions, the trade, uh, not the sanctions, sorry, if the tariffs with China are not um, resolved by 2020. So that will increase ton mile demand. And then also the um, other Asian nations will probably have to take more LPG from the US as the Middle East starts to send more and more to China to kind of make up that balance. Uh, Overall, then, I think it's a positive for the shipping market. So, so Charles, uh, when you wake up uh, in the morning, what are the indicators that you are uh, looking at? Are you looking at the propane prices? Are you looking at? China, can you follow Indonesia and all these uh, smaller markets? And uh, can you explain to me uh, if uh, uh, the supply is so much available? And uh, demand, obviously, is always going to be a concern. But right now, we have margins which are very high to, to export. Uh, the, the prices from uh, propane in the US they are $150 per ton cheaper than they, what they are in the Far East. Why we are not ex uh, exporting more? What is the problem right now? Yep. So uh, the first thing I look at when I wake up is whether there's going to be more uh, LPG available. And clearly, as Christian, we're all saying, there is plenty of LPG available. Then I look at the for Epic Gas point of view, we're very much involved in the last mile delivery of LPG, so bear with me while I talk about the smaller ports for a minute rather than some of the bigger ports that John will be looking after. And the smaller ports are in developing economies all over the world, 
And we do spend a lot of time analysing what's going on in those countries. What's the government support for those uh, for increased LPD demand? And as Christian rightly pointed out, it's coming from a very small base in some of those countries. But it's coming from a small base with great pace. <laughs> and uh, if you just take Bangladesh, for instance, imports last year were up 33% year on year, and that's not 33% on 2,000 tonnes, that's 33% on hundreds of thousands of tonnes. So it is a material change that's going on in these countries, and we're looking at every single country and trying to work out where it isn't growing, and that's easier to spot, really, on a global basis, developing economies, there's increasing demand for LPG, whether it's for cooking, heating, power, auto gas, and uh, it's a good story. John, maybe on bigger portions. John, you, you want to add... Uh why the, 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 the arb right now between US and Asia probably can support double uh, uh, DLGC rates? I don't think the US has the capacity to export anymore. So there is an infrastructure we, we problem? Are, or there, there is, is an infrastructure, infrastructure problem. problem. Yes, there, there is actually because uh, the United States does not have the capacity in place right now to export more than 35 million tons or 36 or 37, uh, pushing it. Uh, we've seen uh, on the on the East Coast, uh, the Mariner East is, is stopped, number one uh, pipeline. Uh, it's only number two. Uh, we see that the Houston Channel has had problems with traffic, with fog, and recently with a chemical spill, which causes uh, congestion and, and uh, decontamination decontamina issues and decontamination issues and delays, et cetera. So we really cannot export. We exported 32.8, which was a, a, a fantastic number of tons this year, 2018, and we expect that we may hit 35 or 36 in 2019. But I don't think there is capacity for more. Uh, and uh, about 60% has gone east, 40% has gone west to Europe, which is the other big strength in the LPG market is the petcan. The petrochemical industry d takes a lot of LPG, and growth, if it's not for home heating and cooking, it is for petrochemical demand. Petrochemical demand in China is more than 10 million tons a year, or it's being built to be more than 10 million tons a year. China imports nearly 20 million. So we see strength there, and uh, India is mainly home heating and cooking, as we know, uh, but other countries, for example, Korea, is just uh, decided to uh, abolish um, the LPG ban uh, for cars. And that means that autogas is going to be a very strong uh, dr uh, driver of LPG imports in, the United, in, in, in uh, Korea. Um, Japan has been importing a lot more. So we've seen a good strength in the, in the Far East uh, from, from these countries. And of course, if, if it is China and they cannot get it from, from the US, where are they going to get it from? The Middle East and they're gonna to have to pay more and more and more and more to get those cargoes. So that's why the spread has increased. Coming back so, to your question. So, so, so can you, uh, perhaps uh, Kristen or John, uh, tell us about uh, what is gonna change in uh, the infrastructure game in the US? Uh, where do we need more infrastructure? Because you're telling us about uh, the, the congestion in uh, the sh uh, shipping channel. There's going to be much more LNG coming uh, the next uh, couple of years. The congestion will deteriorate even further, uh, most probably. We are going to have more U.S. Uh, crude and product exports out of the U.S. Okay, Mariner East eventually will uh, start producing, but 
what are the areas where we can have infrastructure spending and uh, more projects, and how long is it going to take for your market uh, to be healthy? Kristen? Well, I, you know, there are expansions in terms of LPG export terminal capacity, but both of them are on the ship channel, which won't solve the problem. So you have the Nederlander terminal, um, which is not on the ship channel, and then also uh, P66's terminal at Freeport, neither of which have the same issues, but neither of which uh, have announced expansions at, the, at this point. And so that would be a potential uh, wait. What is the timing for that? Uh, the, the enterprise expansion, I believe, is later this year, and, and Targa's following next year, I think. So, so these are short-term These uh, are This is a short-term thing. I think also there's um, issues, not to get too technical with it, but you know the LPG has to be fractionated before it can be exported, and there have been some issues with congestion at Mont Bellevue in terms of fractionation capacity, and so those are going to be resolved throughout the year as well. So as this new export terminal capacity is starting up, we'll see more um, LPG being uh, available because of the fractionation. So a lot of it's going into storage and not available to export at the current time. So those things will kind of start happening together. So we'll see more product um, be available to export. But I think if anything, that makes the US uh, premium, the US price even lower, right? It, the problem is there's excess supply and kind of nowhere for it to go. And then more supply just means a larger spread, a larger ARB. So then, then the question becomes, when do you start to see um, price-sensitive demand kicking in? And that has to do with pet chems, but also stronger growth in some of the developing nations. Uh, John, uh, on this topic, uh, these are all short-term. Uh, obviously, within 19 and uh, 20, they will be resolved. Uh, but NGL production keeps uh, growing in uh, the U.S. Is there a point that U.S. demand could increase uh, in order to uh, bring a balance and uh, then prevent exports, or uh, this is, uh, you think, an export market? Are you talking about LPG demand for the U.S.? Yes. Actually, it's going down every year. It's been going down consistently. So we are not consuming a lot of LPG. And there's plenty of LPG coming because production is very strong in the United States for other, for LNG and crude oil and we will be getting more and more LPG and more and more uh, other uh, products like ethane and butanes and uh, pentanes and heavier stuff. Uh, so we, we will have a lot of product to export and that will be, uh, 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 some of that product will stay only because the petrochemical industry will develop, uh, uh, will develop their own facilities here in the US to crack ethane uh, to crack a uh, PDH plant, to do PDH, uh, propylene, and so on and so on. But most of it will be for export, and it will be long haul, which helps shipping, which will be probably a good thing for um, bigger ships because that means longer ton miles, and older ships cannot really perform that well on, on these kind of long hauls. Uh, so Charles, is this a long haul market only? Is it a VLGC play here, or how does uh, smaller vessels uh, take a piece of the pie from uh, this uh, increase in trade? It's all, it's all about the last mile. Uh, how do you get a VLGC into a developing port uh, in a developing economy? So uh, we've seen significant growth in the last five years from uh, ship-to-ship and transshipment operations offshore of these developing economies from almost zero to around about 18% of our business last year was transshipping from the VLGCs and the mid-sized vessels into these smaller ports. 
and, and LPG, as we're saying, there's plenty of supply of the commodity and there's growing demand for the commodity and the growing demand, if we put aside petrochemicals for a minute and just look at the bottle gas and uh, energy and heating and cooking, it's in these developing economies, which is coming from a very small base, but it's coming quickly. And these countries need LPG as a fuel for the future. So we see growing demand for our ships uh, in the developing economies. So, so, so can you give us uh, an idea of the typical uh, routes that uh, your vessels uh, operate? Are they more Middle East, uh, US? Uh, We're actually uh, doing ship-to-ship -ship operations in over 20 different countries around the world, uh, whether that's East Coast, South America, Southern Africa, West Africa, East Africa. Um, but there are some bigger zones uh, in the last 18 months we've seen really taking off, so that's off East Africa, uh, and that's uh, at a point between Singapore and Indonesia, uh, for transshipping into Indonesia, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Bangladesh, uh, and so on. Bangladesh has been the big exciting growth story maybe for the last two years, three years, because it is shallow drafted uh, around the river delta there, uh, and that requires the smaller ships to get the LPG in. And of course, as time goes by, bigger terminals will be built, which will take bigger ships, but uh, there are challenges around that and costs and time. Uh, so we've got uh, a good number of years yet, and there's plenty of other countries that will follow on from where Bangladesh left off. I'd also just like to add that there's also developing supply of LPG from other parts of the world than just North America. Uh, so we're seeing growth in Iraq, uh, Oman, uh, and other Middle Eastern countries that aren't tariffed or sanctioned. Uh, Kristen, can you break up, uh, up a little bit the demand, uh, just to have a little bit better understanding? How much of the demand is automotive? How much of the demand is uh, uh, retail for cooking? How much are uh, the PDH plants that they can only absorb propane? And uh, what is left is uh, the, 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 the crackers, the, the flexible uh, crackers. And where do you see m the growth coming from on the demand side? Well, the demand breakdown depends largely on what country you're in. So, for example, um, in India, you're looking at pretty much exclusively a non-chemical demand. So, um, home, you know, use in bottles uh, for cooking and heating. And then, um, if you look at a place like China, there's there's definitely use um, in terms of uh, bottled propane. But um, that, especially in the eastern part of the country, is being offset by LNG and natural gas. Uh, but there is still opportunity for growth. But the major growth source in China is petrochemicals. In fact, last year, imports into China didn't grow very rapidly, partially because there weren't any petrochemical startups. Um, in a place like the US, the use is dominated by, um, by chemicals. So it just depends on where you are and what the growth profile is. Um, in a place like Europe, you see that um, the demand for retail, commercial, and other applications is growing very slowly. Petchems are, have grown quite rapidly as they've retooled uh, the petrochemical plants. But the question is, how much room is there for additional growth? So, um, but there are, there's a new cracker being constructed in Europe, and there's uh, at least two, maybe three PDH units that are growing, that are going to be But uh, if we try to have a, the bigger picture, because uh, it's a very complicated market with Petchem, uh, different countries, uh, different products, uh, is this an oil story? Does the, can we simplify the, the, the marginal uh, barrel that is being exported and say, okay, when oil goes up, domestic uh, prices in the U.S. go down, 
and exports uh, go up because they are replacing uh, petrochemical, uh, naphtha demand. Uh, how shall we uh, view it? Where shall we focus our uh, analysis for the marginal export? Well, I'm an analyst, and <laughs> so I like to say, no, you need to ask me, and I'll build you a model. <laughs> but, um, but it's tough. So in, the, in Asia, um, prices follow naphtha, which roughly follows crude. In the US, um, prices follow uh, WTI, which, but the problem is that if, so if crude oil were to go up by, which I'm just throwing out a number, 50%, you would see LPG prices go up accordingly. Um, but the problem is that within that 50%, there's little peaks and valleys depending on the supply demand and balance of the LPG. So um, it's not, I don't think it's as easy as crude oil prices go up, our window opens, and then material moves off. But directionally, that's correct. But I think it's, I think to really understand the market, you really have to look at kind of the fundamentals of them. We've seen situations where crude oil is high, LPG is pretty high because the balance is tight, and then naphtha is having a weak moment, so maybe the LPG is favored into the crackers, or sorry, the naphtha is favored into the crackers instead of the LPG. So, how, how much capacity do the crackers? Because right now, the the, the benefit of LPG is very obvious uh, versus naphtha. How much more volume uh, can these flexible crackers absorb? Have we maxed out this, uh, or there is more uh, room? So I, there's. I think, yeah, so I think in Europe there's there's not a lot more room. I think we're pretty maxed out, and we saw that with the increased um, exports from the U.S. to Europe starting to meet that additional demand when the economics came back into favor. In Asia, in countries where there is substitution, it's being pretty much maxed out. But where there are opportunities, there's still a lot of crackers in Asia that can't take LPG. There's also opportunity for additional switching to propane. So in Japan, a lot of most of the crackers take butane. There's not any switching from to propane, so that could be work. That could work. Korea sees some crackers with propane, but there's opportunities for expansion there. In Taiwan, there's crackers that take propane, and you can really see the the switch there when the economics get uh, favorable. And then um, in China, uh, as far as I understand, there's not very much flexibility in terms of steam cracker feedstocks. So, uh, so Charles, uh, trying to see the other commodities and how they relate with the LPG trade. Uh, we have uh, a collapse in uh, ethane prices uh, here in the U.S. We have seen uh, ethylene prices also very low in uh, the U.S. LNG prices worldwide, they have collapsed since the beginning of the year. How does this uh, impact uh, the LPG market? Uh, surely it impacts the pricing, but uh, we're not involved uh, from an EPIC point of view in the ethane or ethylene uh, markets. But uh, it must impact the pricing for the LPG as a commodity as well. It's all part of the same deck. So is there any benefit from uh, having a lower ethane or ethylene prices uh, here in the US? Or? Benefit. I can't think of one, but we can throw the question back. I mean, the reason ethane prices have fallen is because Mariner East is out, and there, there's ethane that's not getting shipped out of the Northeast, and it doesn't but have I think there's oversupply here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, and, that's temporary, until, yes. and that's temporary until they get it fixed, and then as soon as that gets fixed, um, all the new steam crackers that are starting mm -hmm. up this year, the ethane price is going to go back up. Ethylene prices are low in the U.S. because so many steam crackers have started up. So, um, yeah, so that's, I think, all the, the ethane thing is, is temporary. The ethylene prices are going to remain low. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
John, I was looking at recently uh, energy prices in some of the uh, Latin American countries and uh, some of the Caribbean countries, and I found them crazily expensive. Uh, diesel prices almost double than uh, what they are in the U.S. Gulf. And uh, LPG is a commodity that can be used for the industry for industrial uh, uh, needs. Why this is not happening? Why companies like yours, like Charles, do not focus on you know, oil to gas uh, switching and uh, using LPG? Are there uh, any opportunities in this? Uh, is this something that, uh, is this a new trend? We saw uh, a company on the LNG side, New Fortress Energy, coming uh, public with this uh, mantra that they are going to switch expensive diesel with LNG. Can you do that in uh, the smaller markets uh, for LPG? Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, you could do it, but uh, we, you know we are being uh, a transportation company. We would love to have uh, a short haul business like that. However, it's, uh, um, it's something that uh, was tried by a couple of companies recently in the Caribbean islands, and um, it failed because of, uh, um, even though they, they did the conversion of the, uh, the diesel generators to produce, to use LPG, it, it, it failed because the local authority uh, was, uh, uh, had some kind of economic interest in continuing to, to work with uh, diesel um, uh, supplies rather than LPG, and there was a, a bit of a conflict between the two. I, I think it will happen, and I think we will see more and more of that. I mean, Mexico is one of the countries that has espoused LPG and imports quite a lot of LPG from the United States, um, either through pipeline or through ship. Uh, and I, I think that it's just a matter of time when uh, you know the communities will uh, see the light that there's an opportunity here. Uh, an economic uh, lost opportunity to do something like that. And I 100% I agree with you that there is. Uh, so, so can you also be a little bit more specific? Because sure, you, I mean, you deal yeah. with a lot of smaller markets that they yeah. must have a lot of opportunities to switch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been involved actively and we're still involved uh, in, in live projects where the, 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 the either the new plants have been put in, so new propane power plants have been put in or uh, they've been converted in the Caribbean uh, and in uh, Central America. And, and those projects, um, one, one went over time, and I think that put a few other people off in the region because it went over time, partly because of the sort of political, social issues that John referenced. Um, but also uh, the other project went very, very quickly and was ahead of time uh, because it was very focused around benefits to the local community. So you, know, you can go both ways, um, but certainly LPG is a future power source for smaller economies, very, very relevant, and it can be done very quickly. And we're aware of a number of other projects that are being worked on in the Caribbean, all over the world, but particularly in the Caribbean right now. So, yeah. so is this a Caribbean opportunity, or what about well, the Southeast I think, Asia? I think the, the Caribbean is just attracting the interest and the, the possibilities because it's so close to North America where you have the abundant supply of uh, new LPG, and uh, the, the, the islands and the nature of the demographics are perfectly suited for it. Can, uh, can but, you give uh, us an idea of what happen. is the size uh, of the investment we are talking about? Let's say for these uh, islands, they usually have about 100 megawatt power plants. What is the cost to make a conversion? What kind of the related infrastructure that there is? And is there any room for you to, to participate in these kind of projects? 
I, th I think from an EPIC participation point of view, we love participating in the sea freight side of it and doing everything we can to facilitate it from that point of view. When it actually comes to putting dollars into, into the power plants itself, we'd rather leave that to the specialists who, who are there to do uh, long-term power supply agreements. Uh, and there's plenty of companies out there to do that. And that includes, of course, the suppliers of the power generating systems themselves, who we've been working with on some of the projects to, uh, to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. uh, the cost you're looking at, it's, it tends to 100 million, it's not billions. It's not, it's not huge, yeah. and, yeah. and when uh, we, we are talking about a conversion of a power plant, how much shipping capacity can it absorb? Can this uh, be yeah. one plant or two plants uh, enough to turn the market around, uh, especially for your sector? From a smaller ship point of view, um, a typical island um, is using one or two smaller vessels on a almost continuous basis. Mm -hmm. So uh, it can make a, a marginal difference to our market. Uh, it's, it, and then you'd probably need to have a floater, a VLGC, or a mid-size or a handy-size uh, nearby helping to supply uh, the, the region, uh, bringing the LPG in from further afield. So it's ton-mile demand for everybody. Uh, I mean, we are uh, nine months away from uh, 2020, and uh, it would be... Uh, Bad job from my side if I don't ask about how are you going to deal with uh, IMO 2020 and what does it uh, mean for uh, the LPG shipping uh, sector? Uh, we, we build ships with uh, being scrubber ready. We equip two ships with uh, scrubbers since 2015 when they were launched. Um, and we plan to install 10 scrubbers. So we're gonna be 50% hedged on scrubbers. And then the other 50% uh, probably we're gonna look into LPG as fuel for our engines. That's what we're looking so at. So uh, are you gonna change the engines or you're it's gonna upgrade, upgrading the engine. So it's the same engine. And uh, Correct. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about the economics of a scrubber versus a burning LPG? Well, I don't have crystal ball. I can't tell you that. Uh, however, uh, the, the, the market predicts that there's going to be some kind of differential between the compliant fuel and the regular fuel oil that we're burning now. So the compliant fuel, which is half a percent sulfur versus the three and a half percent. Let, let's make an assumption that the, the spread is 250, which is what a lot of analysts are using. Right. I, I'm, I'm more interested about hearing uh, sure. on the burning, the, the, new, the retrofit of the engines uh, to burn LPG how this, uh, the payback uh, looks like versus the Well, it will uh, depend what the price of LPG will be. If, it, if the price of LPG is low uh, or lower than compliant fuel, and it is, let's say, $250, as you say, then LPG makes sense, and it's worth converting those ships to, uh, to LPG as fuel. If it is smaller, it's a little bit longer period. So we are looking at a, at a period where we, we can be uh, happy to to see a two to three year payback, uh, even though you know it, it doesn't mean that it won't work for more. But the capital expenditure is a very serious matter that one has to take into consideration. See how they're going to be financed for these uh, ships to be upgraded into LPG as fuel. But it is a way to uh, to be cleaner. Uh, it is a way to be more economical because uh, LPG has 10% um, more power. Uh, than regular fuel. Uh, it, it complies with the IMO 2020, so you, you, you reduce your CO2 and your NOx, 
and uh, um, your maintenance of the engine is a lot better because burning LPG is a much cleaner fuel and does not have any residues or any uh, co cause problems to, to, the, to, the, to the engine. So we, with, and it stops uh, the, 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 the additional um, uh, delays in, in, in refueling the ships every trip or you know, twice during a trip. So these are all added value items that you know, are, are, are to be considered uh, when LPG as fuel is, uh, is taken for, 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 for as an investment proposal, proposition. Uh, Charles and uh, Kristen, uh, can you t uh, tell us about, on the smaller vessels, obviously putting a scrubber is not uh, the, the choice uh, for most of the ship owners. Uh, but how do you think that the IMO 2020 will impact also the smaller vessels? Are you concerned at all that the higher fuel price might uh, have an impact, uh, divert some cargos uh, to, to bigger ships and try to combine cargos? Is there going to be any slow steaming uh, possibly? How protected is your market from the mid-sized vessels or the larger vessels? Yeah. Sure. As, as Fotis has said, from a smaller ship point of view, I mean, we're faced with exactly the same environmental issues as, as, as any other ship on the water. And IMO 2020 is really just a tiny little step uh, change that's happening to the industry over the next 20 and 30 years. So 2020 is just one little milestone. There's 2025, there's 2030, there's 2050. So there's plenty more of change to come. So we shouldn't get too addicted to, to what's happening next year. It's just, it's not the end game. There's more to do. And uh, from the smaller ship point of view, uh, we don't burn as much fuel on a day-to-day -day basis. So we have a smaller lump sum consideration there. And then secondly, we're at sea less of the time. Our average voyage duration is only six days. So we do 2,700 port calls a year on a fleet of 40 ships. That's important because you burn less fuel there as well when you're in port. But also, because we're in port, we're also already under a 0.1% requirement for sulfur in many of those ports. So we're already operating a lot of our ships at 0.1% fuel burn when the future requirement is 0.5% for international trading. So the impacts on us are actually very limited. It's an operational issue, not a capex issue. And uh, we will just be burning uh, more uh, low sulfur fuel than we are today. Uh, going forward, uh, we absolutely have to be moving with the industry and investing into dual fuel or LPG uh, fuel uh, fueled vessels. Uh, and that's uh, part of a decision that comes for the next 20 to 30 years. You don't build a ship because of one environmental change for one year, you build it for 30 years. So we have to start moving with the, uh, the rest of the world and building slightly different ships with slightly different engines. Kristen, you, you want to give us uh, your uh, view about IMO 2020 and uh, also on the demand side, there are going to be a lot of changes, more distillate demand, higher crude runs. Is there is going to have any impact on the trade overall from demand side? So th this is something that we're, we're kind of looking at and is developing as people are still um, working out the best way to do things. I mean, I think from a cost perspective, we're looking at how it, it's going to overall impact the uh, cost of moving material around and whether or not that's um, enough to slow trade. I don't. I still think you need LPG if you need LPG. As far as the crude runs, um, we think that um, you know the. We think that um, the 
supply of LPG from refineries will be impacted slightly, um, perhaps going down a little bit. But um, the bulk of what we see moving globally in terms of shipping is, is not from refineries. So I think that in terms of the availability of propane for international markets, it probably won't change very much. Uh, with that, uh, would you like to, to, to give uh, the final, uh, and I'm, I want to ask uh, Charles and John, selling points, why shall we buy your stock at this point? Big. Shall I go first, John, or shall I go first? You go ahead first. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, from an epic gas point of view, I mean, clearly LPG is the fuel of the future. It's the energy, uh, it's one of the main energy providers for the future. And it needs to be moved from the long areas of the world in LPG, uh, so that's North America, Russia, Middle East, and wherever there's a refinery, to, from Epic Gas's point of view, the developing economies of the world. And we've all agreed that there is growing supply of LPG in the world. And we've all agreed that there's growing demand for LPG in the world. So uh, Epic is very well positioned to make that happen. And of course, we can fit into an awful lot of ports all around the world. So wherever that growth is happening, our ships can fit and will be part of that supply chain for the energy of the future. John. Uh, we look to grow our business uh, in, uh, in what we do best, which is transportation. Uh, and we look to uh, increase our size and our footprint. We do operate a pool. Uh, we, we have almost 30 ships in that pool. And we, uh, uh, we do have the, the opportunity to uh, look at many markets and uh, many opportunities. And I think that uh, um, Dorian has, uh, um, has a good record as a great operator. And uh, we, we do everything in-house, uh, so we don't rely on anybody else to do uh, our work. And uh, we, are, we are proud of it. Thanks. Uh, can you remind us? Uh, two numbers. One is what is your price to NAV based on your analyst estimates, and uh, what is uh, the free cash flow yield that you will generate if market, when market returns to mid-cycle levels? I, I can't comment on this, Cody. I'm sorry. I can't comment on this. Uh, Charles, is this something that you can uh, share with us? I think we would all agree there's significant upside to all of our share prices based on today's valuations and also uh, significant upside to earnings. Just from an Epic Gas point of view, if the market moves $1,000 a day, we add $15 million to our bottom line, and $1,000 a day is about 8%. So 8% move in the market. And we saw that last year, so our EBITDA went up by 15 million, and straight through to our bottom line, for that matter. And I think with that, uh, for any more questions, you can call uh, Kristen, and uh, she can verify if these numbers are uh, right and what is the future of the LPG market. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you everyone.